Hello, this is Ron Chapman. Feedback is extraordinarily powerful for breaking through and realizing your potential. So it's a real pleasure, as master coaches, for Karen Van Cleve and I to share our experience with you. Welcome to the coaching sessions. Hi, Karen. Good morning, Ron. I'm excited about today's topic. Nice to hear your voice again in our fourth Finding Your Way dialogue. We have tackled three previous to this, one being lost and needing to be helped, found, whatever, and uh, being stuck and, and perhaps frustrated. Our third one then was we know where to go but don't know how to go there. And today we get to jump into what is probably both of our favorite conversations, which is about potential, realizing one's potential. That seemed like a pretty good start. I would love to talk about that because I have a client who I think is a great example of this. She she came to coaching, but in the process of beginning our coaching together, she said, I don't think people change. It was hard to get her focused. She kept explaining, you know, how everything was just fine and she had to focus on this and that. And we had a little hiatus while she had some medical procedures done. And when she came back to the coaching, she said, I don't really know why I signed up for this because life isn't that bad and, and, I'm, and I'm coping just fine and there isn't really anything wrong. And I finally stopped her and I said, well, according to the questionnaire you sent me at the start, it wasn't because anything was wrong with your life. It's because you, you weren't feeling like you were the person you could ultimately be. You wanted more out of your life, not just to cope. And I think that sort of epitomizes the, our topic today. So, so, Ron, what's your experience with this realizing potential? Well, first of all, I, I love this. I was grinning as you told the story because, like, this is textbook, right? It's like everything's cool, everything's fine. Why should I do anything more? And the truth of the matter is I, I consider that a kind of complacency. In fact, I would say that is the starting point is at least acknowledging the complacency or identifying that there's more potential in the game. And honestly, Karen, I don't know what your experience has been, but but for those who – I don't know, they're unable to convince themselves that it's worth pushing forward. I don't know there's much we can do for them. I, I mean, honestly, complacency is a powerful, powerful resisting factor. In fact, I was talking to my mentor, Sam. You know, Sam, I, I've been working for 25 years with this guy, and he said, Ron, let's be honest, being comfortable is a terrible developmental problem. And so I think that's right on the mark is – is just simply encountering and dealing with our reluctance to, to dip our toes in, in, into some new water. Is that kind of a good starting point? I, I think so. And and what do you think? What do you think keeps us from wanting to dip our toes? <laughs> well, I think we anticipate it's going to take effort, and for some reason or another, for some reason or another, we seem to believe that effort shouldn't. Well, we be, we believe effort is a problem. We don't want to expend it, apparently. And yet what's funny about this subject is once people perceive greater value for themselves, they really don't mind the effort. So it's almost like most of my experience is that I almost have to talk people into it, if you will. Is that consistent with your practice? Well, 
I, I guess what I what, when people come to coaching, um, I think they're in that state of possibility, and and they they have that vision, like the client I described at the start. At one point, she had a vision. She said, "I can be more than this," you know. I can, mm-hmm. and and she had wanted to express herself, make a little more money, even though she um, she was well enough off, and and she just saw more <laughs> as possible. Sometimes mm-hmm. I wonder though if if it's also there's there's the efforting but then i think there's also this fear like what if i can't do it or or this this lack of belief in ourselves maybe that that, that it's easier to say life is good enough than to say mm, maybe i'm not capable of stepping up and being more do you run into something like that I just thought of a great line I had heard. I wish I could remember the source right now, but the line is, the good is the enemy of the best. That that it, 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 Oftentimes it is good enough, and yet there is more potential, true for all of us. And in fact, it's worth saying that, well, I think this is a common point for both of us, we have seen and practiced so much in, in the realization of more potential, that growth and development seems intrinsic to our being, even though sometimes it takes this nudge or this reawakening to, to get us started. So maybe we should say just a little bit about why we believe this growth and development is intrinsic. I would say, and then we'll see what you think about it, is what I have seen is people thrive when they're energized by something new. That, that it, 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 it brings up forth, you know, passion, energy, motivation, uh, and, and, and it seems like there's this fine, fine edge between fear and exhilaration that with just a little bit of a push, suddenly we're, we're invigorated by the process and, and love the growth process, but we need the nudge, it seems like. True with you? Yes, yes, definitely. And I think sometimes we need somebody else to believe in ourselves, <laughs> to, mm. to see the possibility in us and, and to call us to that. I mean, if we're lucky when we're in school, we have a teacher that does that. And maybe as we get into the work world, we have a mentor that does that. But if we're in a world that, you know, instructs us to keep, you know, keep your head down, be safe, don't make waves, that sort of thing. We have the opposite messages, so maybe we need somebody to believe in us first <laughs> to, to take that plunge. You are now reminding me of a client, new client, that I'm actually providing some advisory services to. And what struck me about her, she's professional leader, pretty high up in her organization. What really impressed me about her was when she began recounting her story of the use of coaches in her career. She's almost 50, and she recounted to me a handful of coaches she has used along the way, and I remember there was like a twinkle in her eyes as she, as she said what I thought was the punchline. She said, each time I have found there's more to be learned and gained, and one of the reasons I think she is such a success story is because that's how she's utilized coaching in her professional career over and over again. What was surprising to me was she didn't keep going back to the same coach, that she sort of sensed the need for a next perspective to help move her forward. Mm-hmm. Is that true for you as well? 
Um, yes, and if we look at other pursuits that use coaches, athletics, uh, music, uh, I mean, there are so many areas of life that we just expect people to have coaches, and they don't always stay with the same coach. And I think it's interesting, too, that sometimes they change coaches, they get worse. Sometimes they change coaches, they get better. <laughs> so it could go either way. That That's interesting because what it reveals is this most interesting parallel that I've discovered. Just recently I was talking about this with some uh, client group. It was actually a workshop setting. And, and I asked the question, you know, every one of us, assuming we have some success in the world, Every one of us is the product of coaching feedback, you know, parents, pastors, coaches, formal coaches, counselors, you name it, all these people along the way who have given us feedback and helped us grow, sometimes against our will, in the case of parents. But then something happens in the culture where we start thinking feedback is, in in fact, not useful. We begin to fear the feedback rather than embracing the feedback. So I guess this would come back full circle to what you said about there being a kind of intrinsic fear that we have about embracing this new because sometimes it has uncomfortable information in it. Mm-hmm. So maybe we need to learn to get comfortable with discomfort in our in our lives so that we can be the the people that we want to be. So, so what are some of the the ways that you work with people who? who have this uh, this discontent with the way things are, but also the tendency toward complacency and wondering how they how or whether they should push themselves. Well, first, I really like the idea that we have to get comfortable with discomfort. That is a phrase I seem some phrases like that I use a lot because we do seem to be resistant to the idea of discomfort, even though we don't learn anything new in comfort zones. There's something about getting outside our comfortable boxes that makes us makes us learn. But when I think about something I said earlier, it is not uncommon for me to be in a, I hate to say it this way, but it's almost a sales conversation. I'm not selling my services. I'm selling or persuading someone on the idea that it's worth taking the leap because it is so comfortable. And typically that becomes some kind of a, let's simplify it by saying it becomes a kind of pros and cons conversation. Uh, Mm -hmm. What could be gained? What could be lost? What's the opportunity cost? Which then has seemed to cascade pretty readily into, if someone can't get moving with that, into a conversation about what's obstructing, what's holding them back, where are they, where are they yet clinging? And typically between those two, the first being looking for reasons to do this, the other looking at what blocks them off from being able or willing to do so, they seem to find a kind of momentum. And then I guess I'll say that the thing that has most impressed me with people is how once there is a momentum, once energy is brought to it, it seems to feed on itself. There's this natural invigoration that comes with it. But it does seem to take that nudge if someone is fairly comfortable with their life, which is not uncommon, of course. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it takes a nudge, I guess. You know, I, I find that's interesting because in, in our previous 
recordings, we talked about the the nudges from the other from these the other perspectives that we've explored. The nudge of just total discontent, you know, enough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the, yeah. the nudge of frustration. I think so often people are are waiting for life to nudge them. Yeah. Yeah. Hell or or work or some other relationship. This is what we're talking about here is the internal nudge, that sense of there could be more to me, not just the outer situation, but to me. I don't I don't know. What do you think about that notion, Ron? A couple of a couple of things come to mind. One, we've talked about strengths profiling, you and I, and we may want to share just a smidge about that. But when I find people who have a natural learning strength, they're just learners, they don't require much convincing. Sometimes when I find people who have strong visioning components in in their makeup, they don't seem to need much of a nudge either. It's almost like for some there is a predisposition to imagining a future, imagining potential, and then there are others kind of on the other end of the personality continuum that seem to need a little more nudging. So I think where that takes me to is, is for the purposes of our listeners, is it, it kind of depends on your disposition and how you're oriented towards change, towards learning more, towards the discomfort zones. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so the style that one might need help with would depend on how one's oriented, although I again come back pretty much without exception, once there's momentum, whether it's fully inwardly generated or with an external nudge to help get the inner generation going, it seems to run of its own accord. So it strikes me as I say that, and I'm curious about your practice here, I just realized that I don't have very many people come to me because they just want the thrill of the next possibility. Most people come to me because they feel the heat of their own discomfort. Is that true for your client base, Karen? Is it is it mostly biased towards people who are already feeling the heat as opposed to looking for the light? Well, you know, there there's the old saying that we'll do more to avoid pain than to gain pleasure. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. You know, here's what I would say. Yeah, I would say yes. And when I first began coaching, I first advertised my coaching as tapping into your passion, having what you want in life, because that's where I happen to be. And it didn't attract very many people. It attracted people just like me, um, but it, <laughs> it didn't appeal to as many people as when I started saying, you know, what's, you know, focusing on the discontent, the discomfort, that sort of thing, the, the pain, you know, that, that works great too. And I guess what I see as as the shift, because both both types of people can make great progress in coaching, I think it still comes back to that thrill, ultimately, you called it exhilaration, of seeing what we're capable of. And when we get tapped into, um, you know, getting out of the stories of what we can and can't do or the messages that we were given as kids, and and we say, wow, there's a whole well of possibility in here, you know, that's there to be explored, and we really believe in ourselves. So I guess I, in our conversation here, I keep coming back to whether 
whether it's sort of foisted upon us by someone, um, you know, reminding us of those capabilities or these clients arrive because they they know there's more inside and there's this sort of unease. I think mm-hmm. you're you're right. The key is tapping into our strength, seeing ourselves as capable and and even the learner who quickly and easily comes to coaching and and often is in an exploration mode whether with a coach or on their own. It really is about I I think ultimately becoming more of who we are and that unrecognized potential because that's the that's the funnest place to live. And the client example that I used at the start, I think when she allows her, so she hired a coach, she's resisting the process, but when she allows herself to be in that place of expressing herself and tapping into her strengths, I think she will, you know, she will realize how much she was missing that, that she talked herself out of before. So what, what's been a situation for you, Ron? Maybe we can give our listeners an example of you, you talked about the earlier the reasons to go on this journey of exploration and the block to it mm-hmm. what do you see happens for people when they go on this journey and they say okay I'm tired of being complacent or I'm ready to discover who I am what opens up for them in their lives just as an example well, I guess that runs the gamut from one person who has really made quite a bit of progress on his financial goals as a result by stepping out of his comfort zone. Uh, everything from that to on the other end, I've got a, I'm delighted to report I've got a couple of people who are really, uh, I, I, you know, they're potential junkies. I mean, they really do see and have bought into the idea that there's this, this never ending opening up if they pursue it. And they're, frankly, there's a phrase that comes from, oh, goodness, a guy named Nicole, who, that would be a distraction, but he he talked about there being vital interest, that we become vitally interested in our own lives, which is, frankly, as you said, it's the most fun space for me and others to be in because it's just really fun. It's engaging. It's it's exciting. I mean, it really is that many days become, become invigorating, to use that word again. More commonly, I think that what we find are people who are surprised by what they find. That, in in fact, as you were alluding to, they find there is more game to be had than they knew. And, And so there's a natural satisfaction that comes with that. At the same time, I was thinking about, I mean, for if I were listening, it's like, well, what would what would cause me to to take a step in this direction? It's sort of a, 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 a very pragmatic thought, which is, I mean, you've got nothing to lose. There's no downside to stepping forward other than some potential discomfort. As, I, as I'm perplexed in my own head about this, it's like, well, why not? What is there that could possibly present a downside to this? And so I guess that's my enticement to a listener, to, to dip your toes in the water, say Go back to words we used earlier, Karen, in in previous sessions. Be curious and see the possibilities. And and I guess it's probably no surprise that I'm kind of a potential junkie myself. So (laughs) that's probably probably coming through through in all my words. What do you think of that? 
I think that's a that's a fantastic recap and and I loved your point of have vital interest in our own lives. That's beautiful cuz you know so often we we do the job, we take care of the kids, we sit down and watch TV and we never pay a true attention to ourselves and that you know our our lives. Um so yes, hopefully we've encouraged our listeners <laughs> to uh, to take some interest in their own lives um, and tap into your own strengths, I, I think, too, because we don't pay a lot of attention to ourselves. We don't know what our strengths are. And as you pointed out, Ron, you, the journey is guided by our strengths. And so when we're really tapped into those strengths, we have a picture of the road ahead. I'm a pioneer in, in the standout assessment and that, that, mm. that measures strength. It explained my compulsive need <laughs> to learn and to have new experiences. But for other people, they have a compulsive need for other things. So recognizing those strengths and, and recognizing that the more you are in alignment with those strengths, a learner or a people person as a relator, any, anything that works for you. And there's no downside. I love that. You could be surprised what you find. <laughs> well, any, any, anything a, else you want to add, Ryan? Yeah, just a final thought. I was just laughing because I, I was thinking, again, Sam, my mentor for 25 years now, has been over over the years has been fond of saying, "Well, hell, Ron, it can't hurt, and it might just help." <laughs> so I guess, I, guess that's, I guess that's the punchline. <laughs> All right, excellent. Well, thank you for this um, this enlightening view of how we can um, get outside of complacency and actually move toward the greatest version of ourselves. Thanks so much, Ron. Thanks, Karen. That was fun. You've been listening to the coaching sessions with Ron Chapman and Karen Van Cleve. To learn more, subscribe at seeingtrue.com. Thanks for listening.